Hello, everybody, and welcome back to With That Said, the podcast focused on helping and inspiring Black millennials to survive workplace culture. I'm your inspiration coach, Amira Lawson, and thank you for joining me today. If you like my podcast, be sure to follow me on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. You can always reach me at withthatsetpodcast at gmail.com, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram, with that set podcast or on Facebook with that set podcast where you can join our community. I look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get into the conversation. Okay. Don't revoke my black card, <laughs> but I have never had grits. Okay. Don't get quiet. <laughs> I had to take a moment of silence. I've never had grits. <laughs> all the fallen ones. But I know that black people argue about sugar and salt. salt. Oh, okay. But, okay. I'm a, I'm a salt girl. I don't put sugar in my grits. Mm. I'm not from the deep south. Sugar is a deep south thing in my opinion. But, oh, let's get started. So, I'm Amira, <laughs> I'm Amira Lawson. Welcome back to With That Set Podcast. This, again, is our Honesty Series. And today we have Jamila Stevens. Uh, Jamila is joining me. Um, funny story. She and I met at a work environment and just became like sisters. Like, we don't talk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, distance, time, kids. But I feel like every time we get together, it's like we pick up this back we just left off. And it was like that since the day we first met. Yes. Like, I didn't even you know remember? you. Do you remember? I, I remember, but I'm going to let you tell the story because I'm sure you can do it better. So, to set the scene, this was 2008. I had just graduated college that May. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if everybody remembers, but the market had just crashed. Um, nobody had ever seen anything like it. The What was it? The mortgage crisis, mm-hmm. you know, foreclosures, businesses were closing. And here I was like, wait a minute. I did everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I got all, you know, good grades in high school. I went off to college on a scholarship. I commuted, so I had no real life other than school and work. I got good grades. I got the degree. I I, I was supposed to get a job. Well, that's what they, Give me my damn you. That's what they told me. They said, go to school, get the degree, you get a job. You know, climb the corporate ladder. That was the American dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am now, after May, you know, applying to all these things, you know trying to apply to internships i'm working at the mall in retail and i'm like i had bought my first car i got a car note i got insurance credit card bills because you know those credit cards bought the books in school mm-hmm. and now sally mace telling me it's time to collect <laughs> it's been six months she's ringing the doorbell she's like okay <laughs> your first payment is gonna be due on uh-huh and to get a job like what am I gonna do but unemployment is like sky high at this time and I applied to everything on you know I think it was just like Craigslist at the time I don't even think like Indeed existed or LinkedIn LinkedIn wasn't even around it was just Craigslist it was just Craigslist monster Monster. yep and I applied to a, a bunch of jobs um I got a call back from a woman and said you know, they wanted to interview me. I think I, 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 I wait, excited. I don't want to interrupt you, but don't say the person's name. No, we'll get to that part of the no, story. No, no, no. Okay. No, a woman. 
No, 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 no. The other person. No, 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 the man. (laughs) Yes, yes. The man and the woman. (laughs) And the other man. (laughs) No man shall be named in the making of this podcast. All right. Lord. Okay. (laughs) So, this is funny. All right. So, Facebook, you know, Facebook started in our generation. Mm -hmm. We were in college. Facebook has something to do with this, too. So, I, I come into the office. I'm excited. I tell my mother, I was like, yo, mommy, I think I'm going um, to get this job. You know, it's right down the street from where I live, like literally a five-minute drive. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be that hard. You know, I can do this. So I go in, and the woman that called me gives me a quick computer test. I'm like, okay, copy, paste, internet, you know, <laughs> simple thing. Anybody could do this. But the first thing, let me rewind. The first thing that set me off was when you pulled up to the joint. <laughs> you were like, mind you, I live in that city, right? <laughs> okay, I lived in that city and I had never seen that part of the city. So I was like, where, where the hell are we? We are in the ghetto. Okay? I was like, you know, walking in and I see this other man standing there like waving me and I'm like, you're clutching my purse. Where am I going? You walk into this like dusty little office, mm-hmm. you know, with a whole ass dog. The size, <laughs> the size of you and me, a whole big ass dog. She's like, are you afraid of dogs? I'm like, no, not. not white you know oh because we have a dog in the office I'm uh, like oh they real relaxed up in here mind you i got asked that same question fucking terrifying dogs but i lied yeah i lied because i needed a job i, I was terrified <laughs> so you know long story short i do that then she's like you know i want you to meet with our office manager who you're going to be reporting to and i walk in i'm like yes young black girl like, cool but <laughs> Amira is very straightforward for all those who don't know. I sit down and she says, I know you. Uh-huh. You used to date such, such and, and such. That's right. Let me back this story up I about know. let me just tell you how she was getting that job as soon as she turned the corner and another I saw black her. Girl. And I was like, wait, it wasn't just that you were another black girl. It was just that I'm about to tell this to you. No, 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 no. Oh. It wasn't just the tea. <laughs> It was just like, I had known that you were done wrong. And I was like, nope. My allegiance is always with the black woman. I was like, she is getting this job. I don't care if she can't type. I'm a lot. Because the allegiance was real. Redemption. So my face was like stone shot because I had never been on a lot of interviews. But I knew that that was a question that you don't just start off with. So I was like, yes. She was like, oh, okay. I seen you on Facebook. <laughs> I seen you on Facebook. So I was like, okay. I think we chatted for a little bit. But I left knowing, like, I got this job because we had hit it off. Okay, boom. So now we're here. And I think, I don't remember how I met the man who ran the business. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, okay, he's young. Mm-hmm. Um, and to set the scenario, you know, he's white. But he also grew up in one of the oranges. Mm -hmm. And so he had like a decent understanding, I felt, comfortability working with black people. Yeah, people of color. And just to set the scene, in this office, it was just me, Amira, him, 
Another white man. Several other white Several men. Several other white okay, men. And exactly. a lot of Hispanics. Wait, so boom, boom. Like, it was like seven of us in mm-hmm. that office. Yeah. And we were the only minority, period. Yeah. The only women, the only people of color, only black people in the office. In the, office. Yeah. the people that worked in the field or people of color, but minor, you know, Hispanic workers, things yeah. like that. So this is a. We're in the construction industry. Yeah. Um, so everything that we're learning is pretty much pertaining to this industry. And so, you know, off the bat, immediately, I knew that Amira was really smart. Like, I had never met anyone like her. And I had smart friends. Period. It's a nice compliment. I had never <laughs> met anybody that was, I don't want to say, you know, like a Black Panther. But like, so... <laughs> That, you know, literally, Amira was like, no, we're not working on Martin Luther King. Like, we're not working. That is a, it's a holiday, and we are off. We are back. We are off. And I just remember being like, okay, she said we're off. I'm doing what she said. You know, like, I just never met anyone like that. So, that was that was how we met. It was literally you know, like, dude, did you yeah. used to date such and such? But you know Traumatic. what's interesting is that your <clears throat> your perception of me from that time is like, oh, you had never met anybody like me. And I was so self-righteous about like my people and people of color. But when it comes to being self-righteous about the way I allowed myself to be treated, it was a completely different scenario. And so, you know, obviously the title of this episode is going to be somewhere around like, how do you know where you're in? like a hostile work environment mm. and like what's that aha moment for you so you know I'll let you tell your story but for me I didn't it's almost like a domestic violent relationship where mm-hmm. you don't even realize oh my god how I have it, that in my notes yeah how it's escalating mm-hmm. small small but small and then one day you wake up and realize for lack of better words you getting your ass beat and mm-hmm. you don't even know how it happened and I think you know, I'll let you tell your experience, but for me, I don't even think I realized in the moment that I was in a hostile work environment until he threw the phone at me. Oh my God, but, that's in my notes. But, but I was in, we were in a hostile work environment yeah. long before that he threw phone. that phone at me. Long before that. So, like for you, I'll let you kind of say, like... You know, and we obviously, this episode is not to paint this individual out as a bad person. We'll absolutely get into all the nice things, you know, because you got to have balance in the mm-hmm. story. But just to kind of just understand the traumas of African-American women, what we allow ourselves to tolerate. And if that's something that's ingrained in our past, is that something we carry with us? Is that something we think we have to shoulder? Where does it come from? And like, what for you, when did you realize or did you ever realize it? So I think I realized it in instances like different steps excuse me so I remember there was one incident where there was some comment about the Dave Chappelle show oh and it sent Amira off like her face got red she got tight like that's not funny and the only thing that I could think in that moment was this is why Dave Chappelle quit that show yeah this is this moment here where there's a black person telling a white person like that joke isn't really for you. you? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> was kind of like, okay, that was one thing. And then the other thing was 
I realized that he was trying to put us against each other. Yeah. Like a favoritism type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And when you start to isolate people or try to pit them against each other, that's how you know, like one red flag that you're mm-hmm. in something that's kind of like abusive. And toxic. Yeah. The other major thing was when that phone got thrown. And the phone got thrown. I vividly remember. I don't remember if you called me or if you texted me. I went to Staples. Yeah. And you were like, this person threw a phone at me. And I'm like, what happened? All because, allegedly, there was no paper in the fax machine. You know, I didn't need... You know, it's so crazy because... You have events because I don't even remember why he threw the phone. I I remember that day. I could tell you exactly what I was wearing. That's how traumatic. And this was, this is 2008. So you're talking about, what are we in 2020? That's mm-hmm. 12 years ago. 12 years ago. And I could tell you exactly what I was wearing. I could tell you exactly where I was standing because I don't even remember why he did it. But I just remember standing at the check box. You remember the checks used to be locked in, in like a safe. thing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember getting a check out to pay a bill or something. And I I just remember him saying somebody answer the fucking phone. And I no. remember him ah! grabbing it off the desk and he threw it with such force that it, 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 it literally flew past, flew past my face and it shattered onto the wall. And I remember being frozen in time. I was, it was like being in a point of suspended animation. I, would, I could cry right now. I was stuck. Because I... How do you react? How do you react? What do you say? He do you the, just punch him? Yeah. Because so, your first reaction is like... What do you do? If I was in the street right now... What would you do? Yeah. And you are a regular person. I would fight and you. And not my boss. I would fight you. And that is something that being black in corporate America is constantly yeah. like... I yep. have to remember that I'm at work. Yep. I have to... I'm not saying that, oh, I'm you're from here, so you act like this. But when you're from certain places, mm-hmm. you know, in this country, it builds up a type of defense mechanism. And I was never a person to be, like, fighting or anything like that, but <clears throat> I was angry. Mm-hmm. And in my own childhood, you know, I did witness abuse. But the person that was, you know, committing these offenses was somebody that I loved dearly. And so the struggle that I've always had is reconciling my love for this person Mm -hmm. against the events that they did, knowing that this person has a kind heart. And that's what I was about to ask you. Do you feel like this person was a good person and do you think he had a kind heart? Do you think that you struggle with that same reconciliation? And that's why. That's why. Because in my personal life, I'm struggling with this, you know, as I'm becoming, you know, a woman, coming into womanhood. You know, I'm only 21 at this time. And trying to figure things out, you know, going through a lot of emotional baggage from dating so-and-so or whatever. So all of, you know, these personal things are happening. And the person that I love is going through some personal turmoil and I'm conflicted by some of the things that haunt me from my childhood, the trauma that they caused me. And now I'm in this traumatic situation. And if that person that I love knew about the situation, he would come up in there and it would have been a fight. Yeah. Right? So I'm now working with this 
for this man who, for all intents and purposes, is employing about 50 people. Yep. Yeah. Right. Starting low the, income people. Yes. A lot start, of Hispanic and minority this workers. business from the ground up from nothing. From nothing. So I, I have this admiration for this person. And I now. was gonna say the same thing, right? Because I admired how he started the business because somebody told him he couldn't, and I think that. I was like, Great how did you get into this? He was like, because such and such told yep. me they wouldn't help me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Myself. And I'm going to prove you wrong. And I, like you, admired that about He had a fight in him. Yeah. It, he flawed, had, but he had a fight in him. You know, and he had a big heart. If people came to him and they needed money, you know, he would loan it out. I mean, he would have, you know, promissory notes and signing things and paperwork or whatnot, but... You know, people got into trouble. He would help them financially. Yeah. You know, uh, someone passed away. He helped with the funeral. Yeah. I mean, he had... So, you have that... You know, I'm, I'm struggling in in my personal life. I'm struggling in my professional life. Do, do you life. think black women <clears throat> take on too much of other people's traumas? Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's what I think we did wrong. Absolutely. Well, not wrong, but whatever. For what, whatever way you want to take it. Yeah. Instead of... You know, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have drawn a hard line in the sand. There was something that you said to me that I never have forgotten. And you said, we blurred the lines here and we got way too comfortable. Mm-hmm. So now it's like we're friends. Yeah. We have a friendship with this man. Uh-huh. But we work for him. Mm-hmm. And he was, and he knew we worked for him. Yeah. Like He we, made that clear. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in the things that he, you know, he did. But... I made a lot of excuses mm-hmm. for me too. For him, me too. In my head, like you know, it, it's stressful, you know, running this business. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes he's not even paying himself. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's paying us. Mm-hmm. And at the time, hold up, we were making like eighteen dollars an yeah, hour. Yeah, let's talk about that. And eighteen dollars an hour today is nothing. But back then, when you were making eighteen dollars an hour, fresh out of college, first job, listen, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was living life. Yeah. Okay. Literally. We, we, were, we were pretty well compensated for what we were being asked to do. Yeah. I'm going to keep it 100. Yep. We were. Because <laughs> at some points, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at some points, it was just like today yeah. is a rough Monday. It is a rough because Monday. Because I was out yeah. Sunday with my friends. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'll give that. We were very well compensated for what we were being asked to do. But we did make a lot of excuses. We took on a lot of trauma. Um... And I know, you know, back to the story, when he threw the phone that day, that was a, a moment. And I had always been looking for a, another job because I, like you, he was trying to put us against each other. He was trying to make us have a beef, which he it wasn't going to succeed work. because we, we, we were too much going on personally. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was too much of, oh, you know this person? Yeah, know yeah, person? yeah. We were, we were like friends' friends. Yeah. So too, that wasn't going to work, but I didn't like that. So I was like, one of us got to get out of the situation. And I remember so looking for a job so much back then, it, but it was a horrible time. The market was crashed. I went on, I'll never forget it, 27 job interviews. I, yeah, you told me that. After and I got that, declined I like, for 27 jobs. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's when I realized I had a lot of tenacity. And a lot of determination because I just, I was very depressed at that time because I was like, I got to get out of this. Um, and I was trying to encourage you to get out. I was like, I felt like. And I were, didn't see it. Yeah. But can I tell you why I didn't see yeah. it? Yeah. So like, 
in the beginning I said, I did it all, man. I went to school. I did everything my parents wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a life in college. I had more responsibilities than I should have had for my age. And so when Do you I regret graduated, anything about that? Like Yes. Okay. What would you have done differently? I would have lived on campus at least one year. Okay. To just get out the house. Yeah. Um it was, Did you make that choice or were you forced to live home? Um, I made the choice because I thought I was being financially savvy. Okay. By saving the money by not taking out the loans. Because I got a scholarship to go to school, but not for room and board. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't want to take out any loans and owe anything. Like, if I could ride this out for free, let me do that. And that's and smart. Yeah. I mean, you but know, for the, get you. For the, you know, just experience of it all. Um, and so because I didn't have that, like, my friends were, you know, going on trips and doing this and living a, like, regular college life at least what i you know air quotes regular what i had envisioned i should be doing so when i finally graduated i wasn't thinking about going to get my master's i was done with the learning okay Mm -hmm. i just wanted to have fun i had money you know and i was still working that second job at the mall for a little bit do you remember so i had discretionary income okay the limited no, I used um I was at a piano pod oh, in Shore Hills. Yes, yes. You put me onto that stretch mark cream. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I had to tell a lot of <laughs> I talked to you all about a lot of maternity clothes. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. That. Girl, they're going out of business. Oh. The internet has changed things. But yeah. I was just done. I just wanted to have fun. So I I didn't have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. I was just like, can I just have fun? For a year or two and then I could think about the rest of my life I didn't realize you know 30 was like around the corner mm-hmm. um so I just wasn't as focused but I did remember like I did remember seeing you and you were like no I gotta, I gotta apply you better start applying girl and I just was like yeah, we're making like eighteen dollars an hour, and we ain't doing nothing. nothing. Okay, yeah, we're yeah. like taking naps. I'm yeah, driving yeah. home for lunch. We're going to what was that deli call? I can't remember. Oh, we getting our bacon, egg, and cheese. Yes, <laughs> I just you know Miss Lee's. Yes, I just I was just exhausted. Yeah. Um. So I didn't have that that foresight that that vision that you had, and I just wanted to relax. And have fun that and I, I that I felt I missed out on. And I just remember like seeing you and I felt like one of the reasons why we clicked so well is because I always thought you were extremely smart. Like you are Thank like you. like you think I'm smart, but I think you're way smarter. I, I, I listen, all my friends are smart. I don't have <laughs> no bird friends. <laughs> like and that's why my circle is small and it's tight. Yep. Because you just can't let anybody in. But whatever. So I remember just seeing you and feeling like you had so much potential. You used to, you're like, you're a ferocious reader. You like into politics, into social issues. Like, you know, I feel like you're like, um, like a light that's just like, like a candle. I feel like you just waiting to like burst Burst? out. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the things that I'm always like, you know, you got to go. You can do it. Like you can get out. That's Um, what trauma does to you. Yeah. It keeps you. It tells you that, no, you can't. Like you're not, you're not enough. And speaking of that, let's talk about how we got out. Because that's, that's the most important part of this, of this whole story. Friends. Yeah. So I remember, um, after the phone, I said that was like a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. I remember the phone happened. I went outside. I was crying hysterically in the car. I called my mom. 
I do not remember what my mother said to me. Um, it's, it's a blur, but I do remember how she made me feel. So that's just something that people always say. You never remember what someone said. You never remember really what they did, but you'll always remember how they made you feel. And I love my mother dearly, but I remember calling her and the way she made me feel was that I just had to kind of stick it out. Girl, you better be happy you got a job. Yeah. And I think it was because, you know, it's a different time. My mother comes from, what is that, baby boomer age? Mm -hmm. Where my mom has literally worked for the same company for 35 years. Like, literally. The yep. same company for 35 years. Like, it was a different generation, a different mentality for black women. It was all about getting behind your man, make, keeping your family together, working, keeping your head down, making an honest living. And granted, it worked out for my mom. She has a fantastic job. She makes good money and it literally worked out for her. Mm -hmm. But she could not see that I was, I felt at the time anyway, that she didn't see that I was just different. Like I didn't like, and so when she said that to me, I it was like being punched in the face on both sides. Like, I don't think she intended to hurt my feelings. I'm sure she didn't. And she's my mother. She loves me. Um, but at the time I felt like, wow. Like, I, I still remember being like, wow. What is this advice that I'm getting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was just like me saying I was going to go to the labor board. I remember like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to get a lawyer. I'm going to Oh, I remember. Yeah. And like, I got discouraged from doing all of those things. It was like, like, well, did the phone actually hit you? Like, it did was. Did he mean to throw it? Did he it mean to you? throw it? Well, it well what did you say? It was in my direction, so yes. Well, what did you say? Well, what happened? You know, and you start, that yeah. little bit of doubt comes in. And I don't think it's, it's specific to any one person. It's just a generational thing. It's, it's a black woman thing. Because even with that being said to me, I still had a choice. I cannot blame anybody else advice for me making the choices that I made. So I have to take responsibility for myself, right? I made the choice. I had a choice to either say... I'm going to stick, keep up with stick. Um, I'm going to take it or I'm going to make some a change. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I did not report him. I did not go to the labor board. I did not get a lawyer. I could have got a whole check. Now I know what I know. I could have got a whole check. I didn't. I just kept looking for another job. And, but I carried that trauma with me to my first job after leaving there. And it, you know, it can make or break you. So for mm -hmm. you, I'll let you tell your story first. I'm like, when you finally got out, how you got out, like what, like how did you take that with you? Like, how do you still carry it today? Girl, how did I get out? So I started in 2008. I didn't leave until June 2015. So I stayed long after you left. Almost yeah. seven years there. I think, uh, for the record, I, think I left in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And... I had Austin in 2013, so I had my son in 2013. Speaking of that, you just have one son, right? We didn't even give yes. you your background. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So I'm an HR professional. Yes. I'm 33. <laughs> I'm 33 years old. I'm SHRM certified, um, and I have one son and a bonus daughter. So I had just had Austin in 2013. Um, it was a lot. Being a first-time mom, a new mom, it was a lot. Uh, I was overwhelmed. What was overwhelming about it? Oh, my God. Like, first of all, my pregnancy was just rough. I couldn't eat for the first six months. I was completely yeah, sick. And you still did my makeup. God, I will never forget I that. At my wedding. tired. 
more I, like it, I didn't know what to expect. It yeah. was nothing what I expected it to be. I gained so much weight. Girl, you looked fabulous. First of all, let me wait. Pause. You had don't. all the curves. Stop oh, it. Man. You was she was look gorgeous right then. I gained so much weight. <laughs> I was so heavy. I'm going to insert some pictures. I'm just kidding. So I'm not. But heavy. she was so beautiful pregnant. Lies. Lies. I didn't sleep. <laughs> I didn't know how to adjust. I was all like, I'm good with babies. And then with my own baby, I just felt like I didn't know what to do. He wouldn't sleep. I wasn't making enough milk. Girl, it was just a lot. Going, you know, going to work, you know, juggling that, juggling relationship. And then that first year with a new baby yeah. in a relationship that's fairly new, mm-hmm. oh, it's a mm-hmm. roller coaster, okay? Everything is being tested, like Beyonce said. That's why she dropped that album in 2013. It was for me. It was for me. <laughs> it was for my <laughs> life. But no, um, it was just new and different and a struggle. It wasn't as easy as I imagined or as you know, social media was painting it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, just to make it interject, that's the race they give women. Like this race to have kids, this race to get married, race to race snap back, to snap back, race for everything. It's it got it has to stop. So I was depressed. Yeah, it ha- yeah, I it was has depressed. To stop. Yeah. The other thing that was really depressing for me is that another thing that you said to me that stuck in my head. <laughs> A lot of Amira isms. Okay, I don't want to be the friend that gets left behind, mm-hmm. and that kept playing in the back of my head. I was like, Amira's gone. She's proven that there's life after this place and that you can do well and that other people will think you're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another friend that had went off and did her master's and was you know moving on in her career. I had another friend that was just graduated and was a doctor. Like, I didn't want to be a friend that was left... It, left behind I had gone on interviews they just wouldn't pan out and I just started getting frustrated in all aspects of my life because that trauma shines through an interview yes that's why it took me 27 of them you know that lack of confidence confidence. another thing that you said to me is that you know what we're learning here we're not going to be able to transfer this specific knowledge yeah like yeah. another thing that you said to me is this man is not going to make us a VP of his company. We got to get out of here. Yeah. And all of these things, I just kept hearing it in the back of my mind. And I started, I did, you know, attempt to go back and get my master's, which kind of fell through halfway. I had to stop because again, people, people don't understand pregnancy is difficult. Mm-hmm. And for me, it just kind of knocked the wind out of me. So mm-hmm. school, everything just took a left turn. And I remember just being in this like depression, this funk. And I was on the phone with a friend. I was crying. And he had this way of coming into the office like a tornado. Mm. And he had this way of talking about you in the third person while you were, were present. They, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You remember that? Like, he's always well, that. because Amira won't. Yeah. Or, uh, you yeah. know, they used to call us Jamira. Yeah, Jamira. Yes, they used, to, they used to look at you and say Jamira, and look at me and say Jamira, like we were one person. Ah, it was. Oh my god, it was the the way to make you feel invisible, I just, I just, but to literally make you feel invisible. And that that's to this day put a chip on my shoulder. I oh, I, I walk into it. rooms defensive because yeah. I'm like, you're not gonna make me feel invisible. And you're gonna say yeah. my name. Correctly. And you're gonna say my name correctly. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yup. <laughs> yup. You're going to say my name. You're going to say it correctly and you're going to um, respect me. Absolutely. So, I remember being on the phone. I was crying and she was like, what are you doing right now? I remember saying to her, like, this is how bad it got. I remember saying to her, I sit here sometimes and I look at this busy street because the office had moved mm-hmm. to another city with a, like a busy street. And I just said, sometimes I just I just want to go out and stand in the middle of the street. Oh, and this was a busy two lanes going this way, two lanes going that way. Like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't take it. You want to know what's funny? What? I actually stood out in the middle of a busy street once. <sighs> yeah. Chanel has, Chanel has a story for that, but it was when I was working at company. That I like you thought about it. I actually did it. It was it, it was a very tra- it was it was enough the psychological trauma that we we went through. It yeah was bad that day. So he yeah. had come in that day. I don't remember what I had yeah. done wrong, but I had started to make like little mistakes consistently. Silly, yeah. Um, I don't know if, you know, in the back of my mind, I was looking for a way out or I was just tired. You know, I was consistently late. Mm -hmm. It just was a bad look. Mm -hmm. I wasn't giving my all anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't into it at all. Um, And I was crying. And she said, pick up all of your things and walk out. Who said that? The person? Mm Mm-hmm. That I was on the phone with. The wife? No, my friend. Oh, okay. That I I called her. Oh, okay. And he was still three, you know, talking about me in third, third person. person. Yeah. And she was like, pick up your stuff and walk out. Now, this is a place where people walk out all of the time. Okay. Like, that wouldn't even get you fired. Fighting that was like is the norm. Yeah, Cussing yeah, at each other yeah. is the norm. You know, people don't get fired here. Put it that yeah. way. This is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So, for me to walk out, it was just like, oh, Jamila left. You know, she's having a moment. You know, she's lost her mind again. <laughs> And we're just going to give her this moment. She'll be back. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't know is that I was not coming back. I had gone to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. I was prepared with documentation. Like, I said, no, I'm going to get this documented by a doctor yeah. to say that, like, I am going through it. And I am, you know, and you're the cause. You're the reason. Why? Did you know that you needed to get a professional opinion in order to make it really stick? I felt crazy. Okay. And so I thought to myself, if I'm going to get unemployment, I need something. Because yeah. like you, okay, so while Amira was there, I started doing a lot of New Jersey labor, you know, labor laws. Yeah. Because we didn't have anything. We didn't even talk yeah. about that. We didn't have any benefits. No HR we didn't have no, no time off. There were mm. no rules and regulations here. It was None. wild, wild west. Yeah. So... Amira is the reason that I got vacation time because you remember you pulled me to the side and said, Did you get this? Did they tell you this? Or did you just discuss this during your and you're like, So when you go in there on this day, we're gonna say that no. And he promised that we were supposed to get health care and I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. And he tried to say it was a probationary period. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Oh my god, that man was but well, we got health insurance. We ended up yes, I remember that before. But for everything. it was only because of Amira. Yeah. I, I was, would have never yeah. had the guts or the balls. Because, again... He didn't like me. He couldn't stand me, by the way. $18 an hour, I was just happy to have... I was paying my own car note. In retrospect, like, I 
have much to lose. Let me just explain something to black women back in the day. Okay. Let me explain something to you. Listen, I know credit is important. It is. Pay your bills, boo. But when you 22 years old, mm-hmm. if you don't got, I'm talking, you don't own a home, you don't have no any, kids. no kids, you don't got no major debt, do not be in a situation like that. Credit, everything falls off your credit report after seven years, unless you got a bankruptcy or short sale. Okay, so if you don't own no home and you listen, it will go away eventually. And if you need credit repair services, I know somebody. Her name is Leah Scott. She's an OG in the game. Okay, I'm gonna just put that. Don't let don't let fear of financial security stop you from Mm -hmm. living your best life. Because I let that stop me. And I'm thinking back, like, what did I really have? I had a Capital One credit card, some rent. A car note and like a T-Mobile bill, and I literally thought the world was over my head. And I had, I had no, like in retrospect, I had nothing. Like I literally could have walked out and been and like been fine and been fine. Went back home and lived with my mama. Like she had a whole house. And like that was I was not going to be homeless or destitute or hungry. That was Why was I still there? Do you remember? Sidebar that as soon as you left the company. Like, you hit me up, like, a couple weeks later, like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm glad I left. I couldn't be pregnant there. I would have, oh, I, it wouldn't have been safe. I was pregnant there. How so was that? So, you, you asked me something. Was he nice question. to you during that time? Oh, my God. It was probably the best time Oh, of he my was. Life. Okay. Not just him. But he was so he beautiful to his daughter. He was so nice to his daughter. Or, he, or he loves his daughter. Okay, I'm like, did I miss that? Right, he was Great so fun. nice. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm like, he was so good. Who only knew one daughter back then? Do you? Okay, <laughs> girl, so many stories. I forgot what I was gonna say now, but I'll tell another funny one. No, you were telling about your pregnancy. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I was pregnant there. It was like probably that was probably the best part of the pregnancy. Okay, good. He was kind. I, not just him. All the men in the office. Oh, it was like, I turned into this beautiful flower. There was this older Aww. gentleman that worked there. I used to call him my work grandpa. Oh, he bought I remember me, him. He bought me breakfast, Aww. lunches. I mean, the entire 10 months. Because I was pregnant for 40 weeks. <laughs> 10 whole months. Okay, the 40 full, days and the 40 full, nights. The full 40, girl. <laughs> 40 days 40. The full 40. <laughs> It was, you know, you can work from home. Oh, that was nice. Um, if you need to, it taught me about FMLA laws. Yeah. So this is how I got into HR because yes. I had to figure this out for myself. He had never had a pregnant employee there. You know, what was maternity leave looking like? What what did FMLA stipulate? What, what did, did it look like for you? Because how did I never what asked did it look you like that. for me? I got my I got the full twelve weeks paid. Look at God. Because he ain't know no better. He didn't I just was like <laughs> I kinda had left out the part that it wasn't mandatory and I was like, you know, I mean, come on now. I've been here for a while. <laughs> And not not only that, Mira, I knew his business inside and, and out. out. He I needed paying, you like you needed him. I was paying yeah. his, his bills. Mm-hmm. I was doing the payroll, uh, reconciling his credit card, you know, bills, statements, or whatnot. And yeah, just knew the business inside and out. Knew all of the you know the permit, the different city halls, who to call. Knew his license number out of my head. You know, I was responsible for making sure. I did, you know what basic things you introduced there? Like, remember changing the telephone system? Yeah. Introducing like a stamp machine. Yeah. 
like having some type of processes like yeah. all of that like just really trying to put the Make office a, yeah. into a real type of office yeah. but you know but your black women always trying to save something look at that even with everything that happened yeah you still wanted to make it better wants to be cleaner yeah. and cleaner yeah all types of yeah. all types of things happen yeah. there but when i was pregnant yeah everyone was kind accommodating um you know yeah they fed me uh i have a picture of him holding my son like when i took austin you know back and you know just so when you chill. left how did that how did you carry that trauma into your new job or did you absolutely so when i left after you know my friend said you know leave they were like so are you coming back i'm like you went no. to the psychiatrist she wrote you a letter or he oh, he wrote me a prescription okay and i kind of just was like listen this is what the psychiatrist said i'm not coming back yeah um not only that, I wrote a very lengthy letter explaining to him how he hurt me mm. by making me feel small, mm. uh, making me feel less than. I knew I was smart, but I started to feel dumb there. Mm. Like I, That I was definitely really, happened to me. I was stupid. You know, I didn't know how to count. I didn't know math. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to read. I didn't know how to compute. Uh, I didn't know how to type anymore. It's like all of a sudden I'm getting dumb, you know? And he responded to the email and asked... Could he speak to me face to face? He and his wife, who at by this point, she had inserted herself into the business to really try to make it a real legit business. Because even though this was his baby, he had no real vision of where this was going to go or how big it was going to grow. So he had no idea of how to scale this. Mm-hmm. So she came in um, to do that. So we all three had this meeting and in the email, I said to him, I pray to God that when your daughters go out into the workforce, that no man ever treats them the way that you've treated me. Mm. And he said to me, when he read that line, that's what made him stop and think like that was his aha moment. Yeah, because he realized that. Even if, even though they're this white girls, come back to this you. can happen to them too. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you know how the totem pole goes, but it's white men, black men, white, white women, women, then black, black women. women. So if you think they are above reproach, yeah. you are wrong, my man. They're still women at the end of the day. They're still they are women. not above reproach. Still okay? women. So that, that was it. I went into my next position. I was defensive. Me too. Did not know how to handle confrontation or any type of disagreement with coworkers. Mm-hmm. Was very volatile. Mm-hmm. I thought I had it managed by the time I got to the third spot, but I realized that I had some triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, just people lacking respect for me mm-hmm. was a, a major trigger because I, I I walked around like I'm small. I'm a smaller woman. You know, I don't look 33 for the most part. And I feel like I'm being picked on because of my size. So I have to kind of like have this attitude and, you know, Mm. you know, for all intents and purposes, now I'm being labeled the aggressive black woman in the office. Let me tell you, I, I carried that trauma too. Very similarly defensive. I was very defensive. I was very in cover your asthma with everything. Mm -hmm. And I always felt that if I did one thing wrong, I was going to lose my job. I was so traumatized 
And to the point that once I got promoted for the first time, I cut all of my hair off for that exact reason. I felt like I was black, I was young, and I looked too young. So I cut my hair off into this like Holly Berry shortcut. I remember it was fly though. Yeah, to like look older. <laughs> it was. Fly. And I think back, my hair was bra strap length. Remember first those of all, hair drum hair was, was long. long. Yeah, and I'm like, why would I cut my hair we off? Both had to be really the idea hair. of what I thought white people wanted to see. That was the trauma I had carried from that job. Like I'm not good enough. Like I can't be as I am. I have to appear as someone else. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, you mentioned like it. It didn't. Make me volatile. I never. I do have triggers, but I've learned to manage my triggers outside of the workplace because if I play into those norms, I'm giving them what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I learned that lesson at my first job, a financial services company. It's there where I learned that lesson because I played into the trigger. And I went to HR. I was I was like, oh, they got an HR here. I rolled up my sleeves. I was ready to get in the ring. They got rules and regulations. And let me tell you, HR don't work for you. No, they work HR for the company. For the company. Yes. Okay. And I learned a hard lesson about going to HR. And I, you work in HR, so I'm gonna let you explain more about how HR works because I'm gonna tell you. First, let me tell you my story, and you tell me why it played out that way. I went to HR because there was a, a white woman who was like a, that person. Mm-hmm. She was very dismissive to me. She talked down to me. She tried to make it seem like I was doing everything wrong, but I was absolutely right. And I proved her wrong to her superior. I was like, she thinks it's this. Here's policy. It's actually that. And here's the proof. She got told she was wrong and it lit a fire under her like nobody's business. who do you think you And are? she was adamant to get me out. And I remember um, I had gotten promoted numerous times at this point. And my manager at the time, I'll never forget, wonderful, very nice woman. And they gave me my review. And I had just gotten promoted. And they gave my review and I got, you could get a, a one to a five. And I got a three. A three is like, you did pretty good, right? A four is you did over a little over better. Five, you did exceptional. And I got a three. And I took it so personal. I was irate because I knew I deserved a four or a five. And I was like, mind you, I had gotten promoted a week before my review for my other job. So here I am. I got promoted. Even though my review was like average, I already got the promotion. So why did it matter? But I was so uh, upset and I was a right fighter. I learned that you can't fight every fight. I was a right fighter. So I went to HR and I was like, oh, no, this this woman has got to learn today. You're not going to lie on me because she was a lot of lies in my review. And in my complaint to HR... I outed a lot of stuff. Um, I still got my promotion. I went on to do to, to be fine. But I burned a relationship with the woman who wrote me the review. Who had done nothing to me. Because she was mentioned. Like, how could she take her side? I was so pissed. And that's when I realized HR don't work for you. And now I think I burned a relationship with that company as a whole. Because I created such an HR explosion. Mm-hmm. Like, I erupted. <laughs> And, um, you know, so yeah, I want to hear from your end. Like, how does that actually work? Because I think a lot of African-Americans don't really understand that. Because I did not understand that. So, yes, HR, human resources, it should be just called human capital management now, which most places call it that because you're literally managing the resources of humans at the job. Yeah. Um, But you're doing this for the company, at the same time, so you're protecting the company, right? Yeah. This is why you have sexual harassment trainings. It's yeah. not for you to learn 
to go off and, you know, be some, you know, training yourself. It's literally so that they can say, yes, we informed this person on their, you know, during their orientation. They learned about these rules and regulations on how we operate here to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And when you have a complaint, it really is tricky who it depends on who you're complaining about. Is it someone that has staying at the organization? Yep. It's very yep. political. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned just getting into HR myself. Because after I left, same thing. Explosive, burned yeah. a bridge there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I learned that if you're going to make certain complaints, you have to have a lot of documentation and yes. you focus on that person that did the thing to you. Yes. That you're and no Don't one else. Involve anyone else. Yes. Because when you involve anybody else, they're getting called in. These are gems. They're getting These called in. These are gems. Write this down. They're going this is to a get fact. This is where I went in. wrong. They're going to get <laughs> called in to say, hey, yes. so mm-hmm. we received this complaint from such and such. Mm-hmm. And he or she has said that you know something about this. Mm-hmm. What's yep. your take? Now, that person now is on defense. Is on defense because they're in CYA mode too. Yep. They're covering their own ass too. Yep. They're not thinking about you or anything like that. Um, but there were a lot of games that were played. And I realized very early on that documentation is key. Yes. And I failed there. Documentation is key. Um, from emails, even to if you got to be Jim Comey and write yourself a little journal entry after you've met with the person. Mm-hmm. Very detailed notes. Um, and that can often be scary for black people because, you know, we grow up, a lot of us who are from urban neighborhoods, like, don't be a snitch. Don't be a snitch. Don't that a is snitch. the devil's lie in corporate America. Because yeah. we don't know that. You're right. Don't be a snitch. But You're that right. snitch on you. You heard me quickly. clapping my hands <laughs> like a whole mama. Like, they'll, yes. They'll snitch on you as, they will as snitch. quickly as they can. And yes. let me tell you something. Amira just gave the breakdown of the totem pole black men in corporate America. Okay, waiting for you at the door. Okay. Some of them. Don't even get me started on that. That's the whole You think episode. that you got your brother in here yeah, by your another side. And listen. Yeah. Documentation is key, yeah. ladies. Mm-hmm. Documentation is key. Um, and always remember when you're going in that HR works for the company. the company and not for you. Even though, you know, I always try to be helpful to employees. Provide the resources that are available. Like what would be some like a negotiating a separation or what would be... What so, do you mean? even from like mediations. Okay. You know, do you want to, for us to sit down and, and talk to this person... I did a lot of investigations after I left, you know, my that that job. Um and it taught me a lot on how to interact with employees because mm-hmm. while they feel like the company should be doing this, the company should be doing that, it's more it's almost like you're a counselor, you know, to these people. You're listening. I understand that the wages are low. You know, I understand that what you're doing is time intensive and you don't have the right resources so you're almost is your advice different for black people than it is for white people as an hr professional or do you keep it (laughs) (laughs) okay so the politically correct answer is that you know i keep it baseline for everybody but for black people because i know that oftentimes we don't know a lot of Mm -hmm. the laws and the loopholes and you know what's changing like a lot of what changed um because i like working in new york 
uh, in New York City specifically is the salary structure and how that impacted various business lines at the business that I was at. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see people struggling. And so, long story short, whenever I would come across a person of color and we struck off a good accord, I would, you know, just try to give them a, a good heads up. Like, listen... You know, if I were you, I'd try maybe try to, you know, use the skill sets that you're learning here, freshen up your resume. Mm-hmm. You know, if need be, you know, we can connect on LinkedIn. I, you know, write you a reference or things like that. But if I know that a situation is going kind of left for for someone, I'll, I, I try my best. Listen, they're saying that it's, you know, the way you speak to people. It's, I had this very situation with a black woman. And do you know what she did? Turned around and wrote the longest complaint and said that I told her this and I told her that. And literally all I was telling her was, listen, you're getting written up because of your attitude and how you interact with the superiors. And she wrote this long complaint. And I was like, and I you was know. just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By telling her, listen, it's your attitude. She's like, well, you know, they, you know, that's how it is. They say that we're angry black women. So I, I got kind of personal with her and told her, okay, when we first met face to face, you didn't even acknowledge me. You didn't even look me in my face and greet me. I came in here happy like, hey, how are you? You didn't know who I was. She didn't know who I was. Mm. We had corresponded via email and she had great respect for me in the email. But again, I showed up. And she saw you and didn't even know you had that power. And that's... She didn't even typecast each other. Because I traveled, right? Yeah. And I was yep. in jeans because yep. I just arrived. Yep. Yep. And We here, typecast each other. Here is this young girl. I have no idea. Who you talking to? No idea that I was her HR business partner here to kind of help. But I, I, do, I, I did do that. That's one thing I do try to um, take with me when I go to workplaces. I am very careful with how I treat people who look like me, mm-hmm. especially black women. Um, I, I mean, I do the same thing for black men, but I have a, a place in my heart deep for black women. And I, you know, that's one thing I got to balance because mm-hmm. I will put myself on the line because I'm in a in a position, you know, you know, I'm a VP at a company, you know, I have respect and esteem and I will sometimes extend overextend myself to help another black woman because I know how hard it is, you know, and, and what you did was something that I would do. Right. But she took that because the problem is when you're going down, don't try to take somebody else with exactly. you. Exactly. And that's what she was trying to do. Exactly. And, and like, like I'm trying to help you. Like I'm an ally. Yeah. Don't take me with you. Yes. And then. That's a problem with some 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 women and some black women in the workforce that we gotta stop. I don't. I am a big like. Listen, if you were to talk to the African American women I work for, all of them would be like, "I will." I've done some crazy things to protect my people because I feel like what did Maya Angelou say? Come at come as one, represent one thousand. Like if I let them do you like that, they gonna do me like that at some point. At some point. So I can't like. You know, I don't want to fall on my sword because that's wrong. But like at the same time, if I'm gonna fall on my sword, I'm gonna fall on my sword for my for for my own. Like I'm not gonna go down, girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I am that person. Yeah. So 
Yes. So how did that work out? You she wrote this complaint. Were you okay so, after that? I was okay after that because shortly thereafter I ended up getting poached and going to another job. Oh. So her complaint kind of like fell on deaf ears okay. because she was a problem. I had to she had fired someone and I had, I had to rehire him because if he would have sued the organization. So again, this is HR protecting the company like I had to I had to go to my boss he and say he actually wanted his job back. Okay, so it was in this that particular business unit was in Rochester, New York, and that area is dead. So if you're if you got a job making twelve, thirteen dollars an hour, you're making a lot. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um Yeah. And he didn't he, he wasn't in the wrong. You know, they didn't have any documentation, which I had done tons of trainings and no one was listening. They, their logs were off, they accused him of something they couldn't prove he did. I said, We have to we have to reinstate him. Yeah. But shortly thereafter, I got poached and I believe it anyway. So, mm. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I heard that, you know, she ended up getting a job in the same industry for a different company. Mm. But at the end of, you know, the day, it it wasn't that she was just an angry black woman. She just was really nasty. Mm. She was bad. So... Before we conclude, I just want to ask you, is there any or are there any parting words you like to leave with our listeners uh, with regards to what to do if you're in a hostile work environment? Well, the first thing I would say is to document everything um, because you never know when you're going to need it, either A, for your unemployment claim if you decide to quit Um and if you recognize that you are in a toxic environment, just don't stay. I mean, a lot of times, I know we discussed this, you know, we're thinking about, you know, finances, but if your mental health is being affected and you find yourself like, like me wanting to stand in the middle of a very busy road, just go. Um, because you only have one you, one mind, you got to stay sane. And you have to have faith that there's going to be something better. Um, just don't ever stay in a toxic situation like that where things are being thrown at you. You're being cussed at all the time. Like, no, just go. That is my honest to God advice. I, I would absolutely agree. And I just want to thank you again for your honesty, for your transparency, and for being with me uh, here today. Um, and a thank you to everybody for listening again to What That Set podcast. You can find us always on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And please do follow me on With That Set podcast on Instagram, With That Set podcast on Facebook, or you can always email us at With That Set podcast at gmail.com if you like to be on and share your story. So thank you again, Jamila, for all of the uh, advice and for sharing your story. And we look forward to the next episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>